Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network. Now here's your host. This week I had a conversation with Dr. Tom Welch, who is a child and family psychologist. He is also the author of The Breakaway, A Parent's Guide to Transitioning the Adult and Twice Exceptional Adolescent into Young Adulthood. If you have a teenager or if you have a young adult in your life, this is a great conversation for you. We talk a lot about determination, motivation, and resilience and how we can teach those lessons to help prepare our teens for young adulthood. Just so you know, throughout this episode, you're going to hear a lot of the breakaway. And when we use that term, we're referring to the teen or the young adult in your life. I hope you learn a lot from this episode with Dr. Tom Welch. Tom, thank you so much for being here this week. Well, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Thank, thanks for having me. So I know you spend a lot of time working with middle schoolers and high schoolers. What's going on with us as humans during that time? It's a really tough time anyway, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I think adolescence is about sort of individuation. So becoming your own person separate from mom and dad um, and, and trying to figure out who you are and that identity development piece. Um, in addition to just the physical changes that go on with us. Um, and that that identity piece, I think, is the biggest challenge of, you know, what is your skill set and and who are who are who are you? Who do you want to be? And how does the world see you? Because, you know, the world has, you know, an influence too on who you get to be um, on things. And I think all, all of that together is enormously challenging and um. And, and I think made way more complicated just with social media and, and the access mm-hmm. to the to the internet in our pockets. And I think it it it, it shapes perceptions of yourself and um, and who who you think you can be in the world or what it's like to be an adolescent or be independent. And you know, it's um, social media is not full of things that are necessarily accurate representations of what a human being should be or a teenager should be in the world. And, and so I think it, it definitely complicates things and, uh, results in lots of misunderstandings and, um, you know, experimentation gone wrong. And it's, you know, for me working with adolescents on a daily basis, kind of hard to know how to manage that. And, um, uh, you know, even have effective conversations with teenagers about understanding, you know, what's real and what's not real and, and, and what you should be doing. It's complicated. I think about myself as a teenager and man, I struggled with all those things that you just listed, right? Finding who I was, where I fit in, you know, I feel like there are so many, um, I want to say categories, but that's not the right word. There's so many different places you can be in life. You can your jobs, yeah. your relationships, your friendships, your significant others. It's just a mess of a time. I... Right. No. And I, I think adolescents can get locked into, I don't know, like in their mind, sort of destinations of what they should be doing or where they should be going or, or what's most important. Um, you know, what they think is most important at that time. And I think that that's what results in a lot of getting lost in the trying or, or just going down 
wrong avenues where, you know, I think adolescence needs to be about figuring out yourself and, and figuring out yourself in comparison to others and, and learning what you're good at or not good at by, by having experiences. Um, so I suppose the other downside to, I think, the, the technology and the social media pieces is, is I think we've all become way more isolated, um, you know. I know teens that, you know, hang out with friends, but they're in their basement by themselves talking to friends who are across the street or across town. And there's, there's not a whole lot of face-to-face -face interaction. Um, and so, you know, that's not real. And it doesn't, you know, always give you a, an accurate assessment of, you know, how effective you are in the world. Um, so I'm always encouraging kids to, to get out there, um, try things, push your comfort zone, um, try things on um, identity wise, but but kind of have a, a good understanding of, you know, you know, what's an appropriate range to be experimenting in um, and, and not, you know, letting the, the Internet or TikTok or whatever be your, your role model of what you should be doing or what's cool in the world. Right, right. I, social media is su such an interesting facet of life now. I mean, I think on so many levels, I think it could bring us together, but I don't think it really does. Right. And, and to your point, I can be with a group of people at dinner, but texting somebody who's not even there or right. scrolling yeah. Facebook or what have you. And it's you're not connected with those people. Right. Or or learning sort of the, the inter, interpersonal skills that involve being with people. I think of you know, a good portion of my week every week uh, is working with teens who have had misunderstandings through text messages or online, mm -hmm. you know, generally after like nine o'clock at night. And um, and then they don't know what to do. There's a mess has been created um, and, and they don't know how to unwind it. You know, and, and fortunately, I, I work at a school with these neurodivergent kids. And so we can generally pull all the players in and have conversations and work through it, um, which is, which is complex. But um, if you don't have that environment to learn those things, and, you know, I, I think that's when, you know, feelings get hurt and, and the, the skill you have is you just sort of turn the page and you find other friends and you continue to sort of bop around and, and not learn how to navigate other people's opinions or how to say things in a way that isn't misunderstood or, you know, how to, you know, question someone's meaning or intention over a text without getting angry right away. And, um, you know, these are hard for adults to, to take on and manage, right? You know, like, I remember when, you know, email started, it's like, you know, the, the misinterpretations of short, e short emails is, is huge among adults of like, you know, are they mad at me? That was a short response. What's going on? Um, and so, um, you know, helping, helping teens develop those skills or at least be aware, you know, that maybe their, their first impulse or interpretation might not be right. And, and, and how to respond to that um, is, is key, you know, skill development that we all need to have now. I think that's key communication for anybody in any relationship anyway. I mean, right. I think yes. about conversations I've had with my wife or my son or my mother, you know, and we've had disagreements right. because somebody took something one way versus I intended right. it a different way. And it happens in communication right. all the time. Right. Absolutely. And, and those, I think, is especially hard for this neurodiverse population um, because many, um, you know, haven't had the experience of, you know, maintaining friendships over a long period of time. Um, and, and quite often have learned that, you know, you have a friend and if you make a mistake or you do something silly or have a bad day, you're, you're off the birthday party list. 
and you're not invited to play dates yeah. and, and, and people disappear on you. Um, and you know, that, that tends to pick up around third grade. I think when, you know, social, um, interactions get more like physical play and, and more complex. And, um, you know, a lot of kiddos with, uh, you know, processing speed issues really struggle to click in and, and the, the separation expands as they, um, as they get older. And so when we end up in adolescence and they have an opportunity to have friends, it's, it's hard for them to know how to interpret it. So, you know, an argument with a friend or a disagreement um, for them is going to, you know, bring back all those other traumas of, okay, I lost that friend. I've done it again. They're gone. And so, you know, their initial response is to come at it from, oh my God, it's over. Um, you know, so you last lash out and you say, screw you, I don't care. Or, you know, or, or they're paralyzed in the fear that it's gone and they don't want to do anything about it. And so it's, it's teaching all of those things. And, and, and I, and I think to a degree that that experience is normal for, for any, anyone in their teen years, you know, that we all want to fit in and be just like the herd and not at the same time. And, you know, the idea that anyone is critical of us is really hard to, to navigate. So um, it's, it's challenging. And I, you know, as you're describing it, I'm thinking about the amount of pressure that some of my students and, and clients have put on themselves to be perfect all the time. I have to be perfect. Otherwise, if I mess up, I'm to your point, I'm going to lose this friendship. And this is right. maybe the longest friendship I've had. And maybe it's six months or a year or two years but I'm always, you know, they're constantly apologizing. They're checking in almost too frequently, right? Did right. I mess up? Are right. you okay? Are we okay? And right. some of those questions are good to ask, but at the level that they're asking, it's just so right. much pressure. Right. Well, it's, it's hard to have an opinion or be part of a conversation if you're just right. wanting to please all the time. Um, but you got to, you have to be able to keep up, but you also have to have confidence that you're allowed to do that. And, um, you know, in the art of doing it without causing conflict, it takes practice and you need to, to work on it or you're, or you're always focusing on just, you know, looking like you have it together all the time, but not really having it together not really, <laughs> and probably not pulling off that you look like you have it together. But I think that's, that's where a lot of teens spend their whole time. They would just, you know, how do I look cool and normal to the world despite everything else that's going on in my head? Right, right. Well, I want to talk about what you call the breakaway. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Well, the breakaway for me, it, it, it's my term of, of describing the, the adolescence that I work with, that, um, you know, success after high school is is largely dependent on having, you know, some some motivation, determination, and some resilience. Um you know, working toward it, the, the four things that I think are the, like the skills that we all need to have as human beings if we're employable and are going to be successful. And, and, and that determination and motivation and resilience lead to that, you know, you have to be able to show up on time. You have to generally um, get along with people and you've got to generally meet expectations, you know, and, and, and the fourth one, you know, relates to the first three, but it's like learning to hold yourself accountable to doing those other things. Mm. Um, because if you can't do those four things, it doesn't matter what sort of training you have, how smart you are, like you're unemployable. Um, but, but to develop all this, you have to, um, 
you have to internalize it. Um, you have to kind of separate from mom and dad and mom and dad have to separate from you. Um, and so um, I'd like to talk about, you know, these adolescents as breakaways, because I think it's a helpful reframe for parents, especially that, that we're, we're entering a stage where, you know, you're not sort of doing with or alongside um, your kiddo to get them to, you know, where they need to be. You're really, you're getting out of the driver's seat and you're sometimes forcefully putting them into the driver's seat and saying, this is your time to start taking this on that, that you, you are breaking away and, and I'm here to support, but I can't smooth the road for you completely. And, and you need to start taking ownership and rather than being passive as you're, you know, learning to do more things because, you know, eventually mom and dad aren't going to be there and, and, and you, and you have to internalize it. Um, and, and everyone providing support also needs to know your capacity to do that. Um, you know, and so you, you can't, you can't learn to do it without doing it. Um, and if you've had enough time doing it, then those helping you will know how much support you actually need um, because you've demonstrated you know, how to do that in the world. Thus, the breakaway. It's also the experience, but I think these kiddos are breakaways, and that's what we need to be focused on. It's what we all want, greater independence. Right, right. And it's, and it's what we want for our children as well, right? We want them right. to be to grow up to be successful and independent and, and working and active members of society. Right. And I think that's, I love that you said that a a reframing, I think that's such a, um, such a positive spin on what's happening. And as as you're describing, I'm like, Oh, it makes so much sense. But so many of, so many of the students and the clients that I've worked with, they're kind of pulling away from parents and they're trying to find their own independence. And they're trying to, to your point, find their path in the world. And sometimes that's easier than others. And for some students, they're more successful to start out right. than others. And I think that right. there's a little bit of a lesson for parents to maybe we have to let go a little bit. Is that right? Is that true? Well, it's it's a messy process um, for sure, right? I mean, I, and, I, and so you have to, you, parents have to have that conceptualization of this is what we're doing. It is a breakaway. And, um, you know, I think while, while teens are still in the house, I think you you have... You have more control, but you're working toward a position where you're you're an influencer, not a controller. And so, um, understanding what is happening is key to knowing how you should respond to it. Um, that that parents need to shift too, um, and it is messy. And 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 the, the scary part is it doesn't always go well. And so, you know, as adults who, you know, have lived in the world and know all the good and bad things that can happen, it's scary to go like, you know, uh oh, like if they go this way, what am I going to do or what's going to happen? And so it's easy to catastrophize and then pull them out of the driver's seat and take over. So it goes smoothly for a while. So you you do have to reconceptualize the experience in adolescence and beyond. As you're describing this, I'm thinking of all the all the ways I've given my parents a hard time as I was going through this process. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no question about that. We won't we yeah. won't dive into that. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother episode. Well, I, I, I always joke and say I know when I went off to college, my parents, I'm sure, were shaking their head, going, Lord knows how long this is gonna last. This guy's gonna be back soon, or like, you know, but here we yeah. go, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's so universal parent- parenting experience. From that parent perspective, I imagine they have to 
prepare themselves and, and sort of start this process and be ready for this process before it happens. What can- well, absolutely. Right. And I think that's the, um, th- that's really part of, I think, having a smooth transition to um, that, that young adult piece is, um, you know, having that broader conceptualization of like, where are we going? And, you know, who is my, you know, son or child, like, where, where are they at now? Um, which, which is very distinct from like where they want to go or where I want them to be. Um, and I know if you, if you don't have that conceptualization or a plan, um, we all get anxious and then we all fall back into what we know doesn't work, which is like a, a deficit remediation model where you're like, Oh my God, they're running late. They're not listening. Now we need to, we need more executive functioning coaching. We need more social skills. And, right. and you're only focusing on what's not going well. Um, and not that those things aren't important, but they're maybe not the most important thing at this moment. And so it's, it's kind of like having a plan and knowing, knowing what makes, what makes sense. So you don't get stuck in that, you know, panic driven, we'll throw everything at the wall, um, approach. Cause you know, what I know is e- even if that, that works well in the short term and the long term, it delays things and it, and it possibly backs things up for quite a while and, and, and you're stuck. I imagine that becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, a little bit of that cycle of, Oh man, they, they need help from me. I'm going to jump in and help. And then the teen is saying, Oh man, I really need to figure this out. Maybe they're not consciously saying they need to figure this out, but they're thinking, man, I can't do this without mom's help or dad's help or whoever's helping them. Right. It sort of feeds itself in this cycle. Yeah. I mean, it goes three ways. I mean, well, yeah, probably three ways. I think there's, there's the, the camp of the kid who who's ready to do it and knows they need help and is taking that on. And then we're still going to have bumps. There's, there's the kid who thinks they have it all figured out. Right. And they're 18 and they want to be 25 and their, their skill set is probably closer to 14 or 13, um, which has a whole other level of complication. And then, and then there's the kiddo who, you know, says they don't, they don't want to grow up. You know, like I've had, remember a student I worked with years ago told me that, you know, why would I want to be more independent? That's crazy. Like I have all the money I need. I have a great apartment. My parents have a vacation home I can use whenever I want. I get to do whatever I want right now. Like why would, why would I possibly want to change this? This is crazy. Um, And, you know. We worked on it, but they're like, I, Peter Pan syndrome, I guess. Right. I I'm, I'm happy being taken care of. It's fun. Um, and so that's how you approach each. I would imagine. Right. Well, sure. Right. You know, and, and especially if things are hard for you, um, you know, because if, if you have any difference in the world, I mean, you have to work harder differently to figure out how to overcome things or work around them or, or figure out where you fit. Um, and so it's, it's stressful and, you know, not all the students I work with really, I, I suppose they, they haven't had an equal balance of successes and failures. You know, if you think mm-hmm. about it on scales and, you know, I think neurodivergent kids have had more negatives than positives in their life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, school's hard, social's hard and have more anxiety. Um, and so they, they don't have a lot to reflect back at and go in this hard time, I was able to overcome this and make it happen. And, I can do it because I've done it before. And, um, you know, if you don't have that balance and then, you know, the big wide world is staring you down, um, 
you know, a natural self-defense, I think, to just say, no, thanks. I think it's pretty good right now because I think I'm going to at least emotionally get beat up in the world if I try to do more than uh, than I've done before. There are so many things that I think people want to accomplish, but it's, again, you have to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and be willing to fail. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> we haven't talked much about dating, but dating is this can be a series of failures before you find. Oh, absolutely. Right. Right. And, and people who are effective daters are people who I think have had an, you know, I guess, strong enough ego, I suppose, just from, you know, having successes and failures because, you know, I often tell teens, like, if you're going to date, like you're agreeing to, to, to one of two things that that at some point you're going to have to break up with this person um, and, and do that, hopefully in a, a decent, responsible way. Or you're going to get broken up with when you don't expect it and your heart's going to be broken. Like, that's how it works. Um, right. And you're going to need to do that multiple times before you know enough about yourself to find that person that you want to spend, you know. A long time with um and so you have to be ready for that experience um yeah. you know I, yeah the, the goods and the bads right you have to be prepared to have experience both right and, and i think the same principle applies to you know being an adult in the world that you know your first job is not going to be your dream job um or every college class isn't going to be perfect or whatever it might be and and you just have to roll with it until you figure out who you are and, and like what job environment works for you or, or what career path is a good fit for you. You just, you can't pick it at 18 and, you know, and get it right. Like it never happens. Actually, you might be the right field, but you might change jobs within that field until you find something that works for you. Um, but I think these things have to be discussed with teenagers um, because they don't, it's not intuitive um, for them, probably any teenager, you know, um, and, and helping them realize, you know, everybody around you in class isn't automatically smart and not anxious about being in this class and all the work that they have to do. Like other people are working on stuff too. Um, and it's about sort of managing the anxiety and the fear and the work and all of that. And that's, that's normal. Um, that's what we all do. Um, and it doesn't mean, it's because of, you know, your anxiety or neurodiversity or whatever it might be. You don't need a med change because you're anxious about going to your job or class. Maybe it's just talking about being anxious um, and understanding that, that that might be normal anxiety. It might not, too, but, but let's take a look at it. Um, you know, the, the world isn't full of that many absolutes. Yeah. And it gets tricky when you're thinking about, especially when we bring back the social media that we were talking about, right? Everyone, not everyone, I'm making a blanket statement and I don't mean to, but a lot of people post on social media, the amazing things, right? They don't, of post course, about, right. Oh man, I struggled through this math test and I studied forever and I still got a C and I, right. I worked so hard just to get a passing right. grade. No one posts right. that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, nobody talks about that. And I think it's, I was just, as you were saying that, thinking that, you know, of like the, the, the seniors I know who are like 
graduating and, and figuring out next steps, they'll, they'll look to, to peers who are posting, you know, I got this job or I'm going to this university or I'm going to all this stuff. And it's easy for everyone to look at that and go, Oh, they're, they're, they've got it fixed. Like it's all figured out. Right. They've, they've, they've met the goal. Life's over. It's going to be guaranteed success because they did this thing. And, um, you know, everyone should know that's not true that, you know, like, what is it like 40% of people who start college don't finish in right. six or so years, or, you know, you might fail out of the first university you're at before you figure it out, or, you know, or you might decide college isn't for you, or like, like there's struggle with, you know, all these things. You're just, you're at the bottom of another ladder that you have to start climbing and figure it out. And, um, you know, I think social media, would never doesn't talk about that. It's the beautiful vacations and all the touched up photos right. and this amazing you know, food I'm eating. Amazing, right? They don't, they don't show all the <laughs> chaos behind the other side of the camera. You know, yeah, it's like holiday family photos. You know, they look right. like a perfect family. You know, yeah. how long did it take it to get 3, that shot? Pictures to get the one right. that exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, as as you're explaining this, I'm thinking a lot about tension, right? And there's the tension of the breakaway. There's tension of parents and caregivers. What um, what what can we do if we're if there's if we're stuck or if a breakaway is resistant to this process? I always think about that question in in relation to just understanding change, and there are really sort of five steps to parenting um, during change, and 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 sort of you need to understand all of those stages and understand where your, your young adult might be with that piece. So I think, um, you know, the first stage of parenting is you might be confronted with an individual who's completely unaware that any change needs to be happening. Like, you know, that one student I was saying, why would I need to grow up? This is great. Like everything's provided for me. This is, this is good. Um, you know, that sometimes they might be somewhat aware of it. That's, that's possible, but they just can set that aside and live in the moment. Um, you know, like that the second stage of parenting, all of this is, is working with somebody who's considering the possibility that change might be needed to go where they need to go, but it's, it's pretty abstract. Um, and, you know, stage three really um, is about, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm getting ready to, to maybe experiment a little bit with it. I'm talking about it. I can get into the pros and cons of why I might need to change. Um, but you're not there full bore, but you're having a conversation about it. And it's not until stage four of this whole process you know, that you that you're going to parent an individual who's like, okay, I'm ready to start taking more initiative and responsibility for doing what I need to do. Um, all the while knowing that, that there's going to be backsliding in any of these levels, right? So parents going to be excited. Okay. You know, Tom's ready to do this. We're talking about it. He's taking more initiative. And then three days later, I don't want to talk about change again. Um, and that's, part of that process. And it's not until stage five where, you know, any of us, you know, in this process of change are really taking responsibility and, and trying to maintain it. Um, so I think that's the first thing, right? Sort of do the detective work to go, you know, wh- where is my breakaway in this process on this situation? So this is true for, for every new thing you're trying. They, they can be at any one of these stages. 
Um, and so that detective work helps you know how to approach them. If you're working with somebody who's not aware that they need to change, your conversation can't be, okay, let's create an action plan and we're going to do this. And here's the goal I think you should have. Like it's not going to register and you're going to get a lot of pushback, you know, instead, I think that's when you need to go, well, okay, you decided that you wanted to be a vet. Um, how are we going to get there? How do you think you're going to get there if you can't put your pants on in the day and get out of bed? Um, and, and you start asking probing com, um, questions and, and having conversations that that aren't gotcha conversations, but um, through the conversations, having um, a way to increase a little bit of tension for them to see that motivation um, or the change might help. Um, because ultimately, change isn't going to occur if it's more comfortable to sit where you are than it is to change. Um, and so um, the, the equation needs to at least be equal, right? That, that I'm equally comfortable here as I'm taking on change um, to do it. Um, and, and that's not to say you need to get in power struggles and, and do all sorts of crazy stuff, but you need to understand that like that's your leverage to get that create some discomfort to, to make it happen, but also just have a conversation about, you know, I know you're scared, but if you want to do these things, that's going to require getting some training or going to school or just getting a part-time job now or a volunteer job, like learning to get up in the morning and go someplace and have a reason to do things and, and manage that anxiety we all experience on mornings when we don't want to get up, like, like right. learning to do that, um, you know, for some is really hard. And so it's, it's also adjusting you know, the trajectory of what you're trying to accomplish at that point. Um, Cause it starts with getting out of bed and moving and then you, you build from there, but you got to understand what you're dealing with first. I, I, I'm thinking about that discomfort, right? It's, it has to be a gradual process because if you overwhelm a breakaway, I would imagine that that's going to be the fast track to just uh, right. shutting down. Right. Right. No, no, that's absolutely true. And I think that's the, some of the traps that, that parents fall into that mm. like they're, you know, all, for all of us really like what we know is what we've experienced in the world. So we look at things, things through our lens. Right. And so um, big milestones in life sort of remind us of our own milestones. So it's like, okay, like you've known who your kid is all along, but now we're doing graduation. And then the impulse is to go, okay, you're going to be on the same trajectory as everyone else that you haven't been on the same trajectory with up until age 18. So if this is what you want to do, you need to go to this university and we're going to get this plan and that's what needs to happen. And um, you're just way, way far down the road beyond where they're at. And, you know, I... Um, I had, a, I was talking to a parent the other day and we were talking about that and, and their analogy was related to skiing being here in Colorado. And they're like, right. Like we all want to ski the hard runs on the mountain, but you can't put somebody on the hardest run when they're not ready to go on the hardest run because they're going to break their leg <clears throat> and probably never want to come back. Um, so let's not do that. Let's have a strategy on how we're going to do it and build the skills they'll need to not kill themselves, um, yeah. you know, or experience, you know, an equal amount of success and failure while they're trying something new. What are some other traps that, that parents fall into or caregivers fall into during this time? Well, I, th I think not sitting back and having a plan mm -hmm. is probably the, the, the number one big one, right? To, 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 to step away from yourself and your aspirations for your kiddo and where you want them to be to sort of recognize 
where are you right now? Like, where is your breakaway in this developmental process? And what's their true ability to take things on? And, and how, like all the information, you know, from whatever testing that you have, like, like what are those skills and deficits mean for this next transition? And where do we think the, the landmines are going to be? And where do we think we can, we can uh, maintain momentum and find successes? I, I think like having that's number one. Um, you know, the, the, the next one is like having conversations with, I think, get you moments. I gotcha. You were like, I'm going to motivate you to do this. And I'm going to sort of point my finger and uh, make you uncomfortable. Um, or I think also just falling into that, that, that expert role of let me tell you what you need to do. And when and, I was your and, age, when I was your age, right. And that, that lecturing piece, I think um, it just, it, it results in more resistance. Um and so I think, you know, parents need to avoid that and understand that their job is, is increasingly as an influencer um, and that they can't control it. Um, and, and I think that they, they have to accept that there's going to be setbacks and, and, and turbulence as you are doing this. It's, it's part of it. And um, yet you have to anticipate all of that, because if you don't, when there's a setback, you're going to have, you know, high anxiety and it's going to be a crisis moment. And then you're going to start focusing on deficit remediation and you're going to be up at night, you know, looking for the book that has, you know, five steps to whatever you need to fix. Right. And, um, you know, all of those things can be helpful, but again, they have to be applied with it in a manner and in a timing that's appropriate so that it can be heard. And so, um, stepping back and, Again, like referencing your all the information you have and go, where are we at? What am I thinking? You're like, oh, of course, they shouldn't know how to do that yet. Like we haven't demonstrated that before or this is all new. So we're, there's going to be a lot of relearning. Um, I think those are the biggest traps for sure. I think that goes for... You know, I'm, I'm hearing the the piece about the, you know, uh, I don't think you said it quite this way, but I'm thinking, you know, sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps back for the breakaways right. or, right? I, yeah. I would imagine that's true for parents and caregivers too, of like, I'm really trying to give space. I'm really trying to coach. I'm really trying to be an influencer more than a controller. But sometimes Absolutely. there's the parent in me that's going to step in and try to fix it and try to tell you what to do instead of show you what to do or things like that. So we have to be able to give ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think the fact that this is a hard transition, I think reinforces that backsliding for parents too. Um, you know, that it's not going well, like I need to jump in. Um, you know, and, and my take on that really is um, how like you need to, you need to slow down and sort of reassess. Um, because it might be true at times you need to go, okay, what's going on? I have the impulse that I need to get in the car and get over there and, you know, take care of business. Um, and you need to slow down and go, okay, is that the case? Like, have we gone one bridge too far here and my breakaway is not ready to do this? Um, or are we on the right track? And this is just part of the process and it's more, you know, steady as you go. This is a turbulent time, but you know, my message is the same and we're approaching it. Um, you know, you have to constantly be doing that. And, and I think, you know, with that, I think it's important that, that, that parents continue to have, you know, support providers for themselves, you know, clinicians, um, or folks that, that can have an outside perspective as well and, and sort of parse out those questions and go, okay, like, 
maybe, maybe not. Let's see. Um, but I, I, I know that it's it's absolutely a problem if, if you're constantly sort of changing tracks um, every time that you have turbulence because you're you're never going to to help your breakaway learn how to deal with those those that turbulence and that resistance. Um, and you're never going to know what they're capable of doing because every time it happens, you're changing tracks for them. Right. Um, so that the process is the goal, not yeah. necessarily, you know, identified goals in the beginning. So I would imagine it's really important for consistency, whether, you know, I, I think about whether we like it or not, sometimes we've got to be okay with just being consistent and, and following the, the plan and, you know, to your point, reassessing, but also not change it. What you're saying is don't change your strategy every time something is a struggle. Right. 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 And I think that's hard for, for parents, no matter, you know, who their child is, but um, I think it's, it's harder for this neurodivergent population because, you know, quite often it feels like their margin of error in the world isn't as great as somebody who might not have the same struggles. And so um, it's easy for parents to want to, to jump in so things don't crash terribly um, for them. Um, but again, I would say too, if, if, if you're planning well, you've already anticipated all of this and you're not setting up a scenario where there's going to be, you know, a precipitous drop-off that, that's, that you can't recover from. If, if you're planning well, it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And here's, here's where we think it can go wrong. And if it goes wrong, here's like, you can sort of anticipate all these things ahead of time so that you're not surprised by it. You know, I, I see more of this when you have parents who are, you know, taking this, you know, Hail Mary shot to, you know, go do things. And it, it quite often it's the, you know, my, my son or daughter is super bright and they're capable of going to this college and we're going to do it. And I want them to have this experience and, you know, I can have lots of conversations, but like, nope, we're all in, they're going to be in the dorm. They're going to take all these classes, you know, they're not going to be living with us. Oh, um, and, you know, the bottom will fall out, you know, because you go, we can't lose this deal. Right. And um, if you do that, sometimes you've sort of ruined that option forever for that, that breakaway rather than building in that direction and, you know, maintaining momentum and having successes. Cause it's, it is about momentum, even, even when you have setbacks. Tom, is there anything that parents can be doing to motivate a breakaway who's really struggling with that? If, if they're really having a hard time with that motivation piece, is there anything they can be doing to help them set up success for themselves? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a lot of what we've what we've talked about. I think it's it's setting things up well for them. Um, but I think like the next question I think you have when you have stuckness is is we're talking about resilience and 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 conservation of energy really that that on any given day we all have you know a, a limited supply of internal resources to take on the day um and and we're when we're doing tasks that are um you know pretty standardized rote they're just automatic for us we're not burning much of this reserve like we're just we can do it without thinking you can brush your teeth and take your vitamins and do stuff and you're just you're going through the motions um but when any of us take on things that are new or novel 
or challenging, um, we're burning energy. And, and there's a there's fair amount of research out there that that would suggest even if if someone were to ask us to, you know, go to a coffee shop and find the coffee we, we normally get at another one, but it has a different name and whatever, like we're thinking harder there than we we have any time in our day. And just a uh, simple activity like that um, can decrease the reserves we have um, going forward. There is that fair amount of research that, that suggests even even for us, if we're asked to do something that's new and novel, like like ordering a coffee at a new coffee shop or or selecting a present out of a, a magazine, we're we're burning energy because we're doing something that's different, and and that affects our performance later in the day on tasks that require focus. Um, so if you extrapolate that over to a neurodiverse population, uh, where there might not be a whole lot in their day that's routine. Um, you know, if they're living on their own, they got to decide, did I, did I set my alarm clock? Um, what time should I set my alarm clock? Should I get, I get up when the alarm clock is going off? Um, what should I wear? What should I not wear? Should I brush my teeth? Did I take my meds? Where am I supposed to go? Um, you know, there's probably 20 more things that they have to work through just to get out of their house. Um, and then when they're out in the world, there's a lot of energy spent, um, you know, just presenting themselves in a way that 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 fits in and quote, looks normal to the rest of the world. Um, so that absolutely has to be calculated when you when you have somebody who's who's feeling stuck it's like like are we are we asking them to take on too much um and that's not always an easy thing to figure out too because um especially when somebody has moved out of like mom and dad's house because you know being in being in a house where other people have routines creates a structure unintentionally that you don't really think would be that big a deal but you know laundry might magically find itself in the washing machine and food magically appears in the fridge and and mom and dad are already up and the lights are on so i don't have the same you know internal you know responsibility to make that happen or someone will ask me did you take your meds um like all these little things come to play um with this big transition and so like doing that assessment of like what are they doing what's new what have they never done before um like like the students i work with on a daily basis i think you know, I think their tanks are empty by 11, quite honestly, most days. Um, and they've done well, you know, or they've done well all day. And then they get in the car to go home and they have a meltdown with mom and dad um, where the evening's bad. And it's, it's the same thing that, that you know, these breakaways are, are working with. And um, it's a huge variable that you have to, to manage. And it's not always intuitive. You wouldn't think you know, the one thing that's one thing too much might seem like a minor deal. And it's, it's important to talk to those breakaways about all of that. Um, it's also important, I think, too, to have expectations. Um, because if we're, if we're talking about being a breakaway and becoming more independent, I think it's also important that, that, that parents introduce more grown-up expectations for them that, um, you know, if you have a kiddo that's stuck, it's not okay that you're, you're playing video games 18 hours a day, or you're not getting up and moving. It's like, well, you know, this is the time in your life when you are needing to break away and become an individual and, and you might not be able to manage it yourself right now, but I'm going to help you learn how to manage, you know, the amount of time that you're on a screen or, you know, if, if you're going to be on your phone 
you're going to contribute to the hours, you know, with the expense of that phone or what we're paying for. And um, finding that, you know, like we all need, we all need to have a reason to get up every day. Like as human beings, we need that challenge. Um, and, And you need to help your breakaway figure out what that is and have an expectation that they get up and do something. It could be helping around the house or volunteering or having a paid job or taking one class that's, going to be easy, but learning how to get up and do that. And, and again, because we are we have to work toward that showing up on time, getting along with people, meeting expectations and, and learning how to hold yourself accountable to those things. And so like, those are the steps that lead to everything. Um, and if we're, if we're not focused on helping these young people do that, then, then we're just helping them jump through hoops. But by the time they're, they're finished, they're, they're still not employable. Right. In, in a crass way, skills, but they can't keep the job. Right. And, and you know, I always tell students that, you know, the world doesn't care. Like the world doesn't care that you have a disability. Um, and it might sound crash or harsh, but it's true. Um, but but the world is full of people who will bend over backwards to help you out if, if you can appropriately advocate for the things that you need accommodation wise, right. and, and that you can work hard to show up on time, get along with people and meet expectations. Like if yeah. you can be vulnerable enough to, to ask for help when you need it and work on those things, man, the world will open up for you. But if you can't do that stuff, like nobody cares what your IQ is or what you got on the SAT or how special you are, because there's lots of those people who will show up on time, get along with people and right. meet expectations. Right. So like, like that's what we're working toward. Um, and, and that's way more important than these other destinations of a, of a specific college or a specific degree. And, you know, whatever amount of time it is, like you have to build the whole person and, and approach it in a way that that works for, for who they are right now to get there. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your insight and and really reframing that for me um, and, and hopefully for our audience as well, that concept of the breakaway. Um, we just appreciate the work you've done and, and, and the book that you've written. Thank you so much. Yes, well, thank you. I, I love talking about this. I can talk about this all the time. It's important. I hope you learned a lot from that conversation with Dr. Tom Welch. I know I did. For me, my children are five and seven, so some of these conversations are a little bit in the future, but not so far ahead that I can't be thinking about this shift from controller to influencer that he mentioned throughout the conversation. It also made me think of the teens and young adults that I work with and some of the struggles that they're having and how I've seen their families have that same shift. It really stood out to me, the the quote he had at the end, um, and it, you know, the idea of being able to, to work hard and be vulnerable and lots of opportunities will open up to uh, our teens and young adults with disabilities. And I think that is something that we should all be taking away and really focusing on and really preparing our teens and young adults for. Another thing that really stood out to me was just knowing the readiness of your child or the client that you're working with and really starting the preparation at that point making sure that you're not pushing for too much or pushing for too many unrealistic expectations and helping your team be able to take the steps from where they are in the moment and have them push forward from that point. You can always find us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Therapies. And if you have a show suggestion or other feedback, please send us an email at allautismtalk at learnbehavioral.com. And please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care, be safe. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs. Visit us at learnbehavioral.com. Listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 